This episode is being recorded on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people. Hey everyone, this is Gabriel. And I'm Ravin. And this is Therapy After Hours. Hey everyone, welcome to season two of Therapy After Hours. So the summer is almost over, or in Vancouver is basically over. (laughs) So here we are starting our new season of the year, and hopefully you get to enjoy it as much as we enjoyed season one. Here we go. All right, so we're going to be talking about privilege today. Just starting off on a small topic. Yeah, we're starting strong this time around and, and making sure that we try to cover as much as we can of it, but knowing that this is just a limited time and space, so there is not going to be enough time for all the nuances, the, all the different ways that privilege shows up mm-hmm. in our lives or that we have privilege. And at the same time, trying to name some of the different types of privileges that mm-hmm. exist or that we have. Yeah, and touch a little bit on kind of the conversations around privilege that happen out in the mainstream world, I think. And if there's any part of this conversation that strikes you, that you agree with, that you disagree with, that you're interested in, like we said, um, we won't be able to get into super depth about everything. So feel free to reach out to us if there's something you want to hear more about or have us dig into a bit deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Either via social media or email. We're happy to chat with folks around these topics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess to start off, as we were preparing for this episode, I kind of looked up a little definition of privilege. So maybe I'll start by reading that and we can chat a little bit about how we feel about this definition. Mm-hmm. Um, so the definition I found, and it came up a couple of times, was essentially privilege is defined as some advantages or benefits that folks receive based on a perceived social group that they are a part of, and it often results from the marginalization of another group. What are your thoughts on that definition? Well, it seems pretty straightforward in terms of what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's very specific to the advantages or benefits in one social group that happens or can often result in the marginalization of another. So, mm-hmm. um, so basically, let's say, let's do ours, male privilege, Versus women, I guess, Mm -hmm. for example. We know that we live in a patriarchal society. We know that we have, throughout history and and life, that Mm -hmm. males or men have had a lot of advantages that women have been deprived of, Mm -hmm. for example. Like even something as simple simple but very powerful as voting Mm -hmm. in the past, right? Yeah, or equal pay. Or equal pay, which is still a thing that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist in a lot of places. So... Yeah, so it's almost in a way of, like, I went ahead in the race because they pulled you back or they held you back Mm -hmm. as a woman. Yeah, or you got to start a little further further ahead. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a way of, like, understanding it a little bit better. Yeah. I think something kind of, like, related and going back to the definition that I was thinking when I read this definition that really struck me was I like that it said based on perceived social groups. Yes. I thought that was really important, right? Because sometimes we may hold an identity that isn't visible to the world, 
right? And, and our privilege is based on what other folks see. So I think, for example, of cisgender privilege, right? When there's trans folks and some trans folks can be more, I don't want to use the wrong language, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm getting at? Like can, can be more, um, like cis passing. Yes. Right. So they can be more cis passing. And so they may not be treated with the same disadvantages as a trans person who isn't as cis passing. passing. Yeah. And same thing with like being white passing, right? There's a lot of cultures in the world where folks can either be of mixed race or, you know, where certain presentations of the culture look more white externally. And so I might actually be and identify as a person of color, but if I'm white passing and I'm perceived by the rest of the world as white, I'm still going to benefit from that privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a big, big thing here is how a lot of our different identities Mm -hmm. have privilege or like bring privilege to our lives in, in different ways and how it might be privilege in one part of the world where it might not be in another part of the world mm-hmm. and how it is perceived mm-hmm. in those cultures, those countries, those parts of the world where things are just different, you mm-hmm. know, because we also have to talk about growing up in the Western True. North American kind of uh, ideals, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Caribbean, but it's very westernized, very North yeah. American kind of focus in some ways, and then very Latino in others. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I'm curious to know, is there anything that you would change about that definition? Or anything that doesn't mm. kind of align with the way that you view privilege? Um, I'm not sure. I think, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, is all privilege... And this is just me thinking a lot, I guess. Is all privilege or all sorts of privilege a result of marginalizing other communities? Yeah. Or is the act of marginalizing or discriminating or pushing down other communities mm-hmm. where the power of privilege comes from? Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think in order for... It's kind of a binary, right? Like, you mm. know, in order for one group to have privilege, another group has to have mm-hmm. the absence of privilege or to have yeah. or to be oppressed. So this is like the chicken or the egg, which came first. But it's like, it is a circle, so there is no beginning or end. It's infinite in itself. This quote was brought to you by Harry Potter books. <laughs> not kidding. Yeah, I think that's an important point. One thing that strikes me, and I don't know if this is like my own bias, but when I read this definition, I have a problem with the word advantages and benefits Mm. because I can see how that wouldn't land for folks. Like, I don't know if that language is as accessible. Um, I have some privileged identities. I don't always think that they're an advantage. I would... Like, how I would change that, I'm not articulating this as very well, well. But I think it's it just depends on, let's say, you're a cis woman. Mm-hmm. That's an advantage over a trans woman based on society's perceptions. Mm-hmm. However, if you compare being a cis woman to me, who I, mm-hmm. as a cis man, then in this case, like, my identity has privilege over yours, quote unquote. Right. Right? So I think it just depends on how we, who we place it, like, which... Identity versus which other. Yeah, so, and that's, I think, that can be problematic in some ways because, not problematic, but it can be 
complicated, I guess, mm-hmm. or, or difficult for some people to understand their own privileges because they might not feel privileged in some spaces, whereas in others, they are clearly very privileged. Yeah. And so I think that's where it can be quite complicated yeah. to understand. I think there's two things. Yeah, I think too? that there's two things that come up for me when you say that. And the first is I would just change that language to like a lack of barriers or like the absence of barriers. Mm. Okay. I don't know why that just feels better for me. Um Yeah, m- maybe that doesn't resonate for other folks, but for me that just feels better Mm. to say there's you know there's certain barriers that when you have privilege that don't present themselves to you you know like if I have socioeconomic privilege there's just going to be certain barriers that I don't experience compared to someone who does have lower socioeconomic status Mm. I also think about why sometimes this conversation of privilege doesn't land well with certain folks like you know there you'll you'll get that defensiveness when some when you say to someone like oh you have male privilege and they're like well no I'm not I'm not privileged and I Mm. think it's that distinction between like when we talk about privilege we're really talking about at the systemic level level. and there's a difference between individual experiences and the fact that you as a man cis het man in your life may have had major challenges, major major barriers, major disadvantages. And it's not to take away from that experience. It's to say, we're not speaking about you as an individual. We're speaking about the system as a whole. And the way that the system works as a whole is that men have privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's part of that, you know, like for me as a man, like I have privilege and I have experienced that privilege throughout my life in different situations where about safety, especially Mm -hmm. in comparison to women. Mm -hmm. But then again, like if I bring in another one of my identities of being a gay man, then there is a difference there between a heterosexual man, right? So it's like all these different identities. And that's what, if you recall from our first episode, the idea of intersectionality is so Mm -hmm. important because it's like we're all humans, yes. And at the same time, we carry all of these identities with us that have a certain impact and influence on how we behave, who we are, how we are perceived by society and what we do with our lives Mm -hmm. uh, based on what quote unquote society wants from us, which is another whole other topic that fuck the society. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that there, the intersectionality piece, right? It's like we can all, we all have so many different parts of our social identity and certain parts are going to have privilege and other parts aren't. And I also think, you know, again, we don't have to identify personally with an identity to benefit from it at that systemic level, Yeah. right? And so, like, one example that comes to mind is I think about thin privilege, right? And oftentimes, like, if someone doesn't identify as thin, they might believe that they don't have thin privilege and they don't benefit from thin privilege. So, for example, myself, I don't identify as a thin person, but I also don't live in a fat body. So mm-hmm. I do actually still benefit from thin privilege because of systemic things that happen. I don't get shamed or ridiculed at the doctor in the same way that somebody who lives in a fat body does. I don't, you know, have to buy two seats on an airplane or... Or ask for an extender. Or ask for an extender or go... And be humiliated because yeah. of that, right? Because 
that's the, that's the issue there. Not 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 asking for the extender is not an issue. Yeah, it's the humiliation. It's the humiliation or the from, lack of access or the lack of access. Yeah, I can go into a store, most stores, and find something that will fit me in my size. Like those are all indicators of thin privilege, and I don't have to identify as a thin person to systemically benefit mm-hmm. from those things, right? So I think that's the piece where a lot of people will be like, well, I don't have privilege because I still struggle with this and I still had these barriers. Though that can all be true and you can benefit at a systemic level. So I still struggle with body image. I still struggle with finding the right clothes for my body type, all of those things. And I still have thin privilege, right? Both of those things can be valid. My struggles can be valid and my privilege can exist. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, good example. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's like, I'm glad we're making this distinction of systemic versus personal because mm-hmm. that's where it can be quite different mm-hmm. in terms of how people perceive it and receive that feedback or information of like, yeah, there mm-hmm. is privilege in your life and, or you experience privilege in these certain ways. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that, you str- that, you have, that your struggles in life are not real, that you haven't had difficulty around finances or education Mm -hmm. or work or housing no it doesn't mean that it means that on a systemic level there's all these advantage there we go advantages Mm -hmm. um there's all of these um spaces where there are no barriers for Mm -hmm. you yeah or minimal barriers compared to other other folks Yeah. yeah yeah and i think like part of that again comes from the idea that privilege is an individualized thing. Like that is really the center of what we're trying to get at is it's not. It's not. Right? And I find that so often. It's like somebody's knee-jerk response when you say like you have these privileges or I have these privileges. It's like, no, I don't or no, you don't. Right? Because we're looking at it at an individual level, but it matters on the systemic. I think part of the reason why we even started having this conversation was because of that post that you Mm -hmm, had seen because I think in conversations about privilege now people are being attacked on a personal level yeah yeah I've definitely seen folks getting very wild and riled up Mm -hmm. around conversations on privilege Mm -hmm. Um, it is an uncomfortable conversation it is Mm -hmm. a very hard conversation to say like yeah Mm -hmm. I benefit from this does that mean that you didn't work hard for it no Mm -hmm. it means that you work hard and you still had an advantage. Mm-hmm. I think advantage still fits. Yeah, I know instances. it totally can. It totally can. I'm not saying it doesn't fit at all. It's just something yeah. about, I'm very big on semantics for myself. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I say this to my clients all the time. Language makes, language matters. Mm-hmm. You know, when we say things in a certain way. Well, language is how we make meaning, right? So. Yeah. So, yeah, and just, the, just to kind of reference the post um, that Robin just mentioned. The post said... Privilege now seems to mean anything good in a person's life that can be weaponized against them. Do we say the author? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's a psychotherapist, lives in the UK. Uh, Handle is Sirut K. Chala. Yeah, and I think that really stuck out to us because I think that's where the misdirection around the conversation of privilege is going, right? Privilege doesn't have to be anything good that we experience in life. And privilege, I don't believe, is something that should be weaponized Mm -hmm. against us. Unless we're using our privilege to cause harm, then perhaps I might be a little petty and weaponize it. But I think it's just about 
having transparent conversations and putting our privileges and identities on the table. Yeah. And I think doing that, it shows a lot of more introspection and reflection from ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we know ourselves a little bit more. So it shows that to other people, one. Mm -hmm. Two, it also acknowledges to other people and to ourselves when there is maybe a power differential, a power imbalance, Mm -hmm. or something where there is a scale of differences Mm -hmm. between the people at the table Mm -hmm. as well. And at the same time, it's like, if we don't acknowledge our privileges, we can't necessarily use them as well to support other people or to Mm -hmm. be allies in ways that are beneficial to folks that need that support or Mm -hmm. that maybe not need that support, maybe that want that support Mm -hmm. because it's not up to us to support people in that sense more so if people want that. Yeah, I think that's important in what you're saying in terms of like acknowledging it makes us show up as better allies because I think Mm -hmm. about I think about people that take up spaces take up space in movements or advocacy that are not their own identity and when they name their privileges and they name that they have that advantage so to speak or that lack of barrier yeah that to me feels like much more genuine advocacy and allyship than someone taking up space in the movement without naming their privileges because that just feels kind of like that performative Mm. allyship oh for sure for sure. I, I mean, and I would go a little bit further than that in terms of like, not just name it, but use it to the benefit of the group. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're just naming it for the sake of naming it, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's like, oh, this is my privilege. Yeah. Here you go. Use it to clean your ass. And that's it. <laughs> yes. Sorry. That's okay. I'm and, a little fired up today. And some examples, right? Because when we're talking about this, again, I feel like I always take it back to like the the fat positivity or the body acceptance movement because that's such a big part of my work. But I think about all the content creators that I follow and there are a few, like there's, um, you know, there's Dr. Joshua Woolrich, who's a cishet, straight-sized white man um, who really acknowledges that and then still uses his platform to dismantle fat phobia, right? He uses his privilege as of being a doctor, of being a cishet, straight-sized white man to advocate in those spaces. Um, I think about other like body positivity influencers like the Bird's Papaya. She, she does, Sarah Nicole does a really good job at naming like, I still have privilege, even though I struggle with these things, even though, mm-hmm. you know, my body, my journey with my body is a challenge, I still have thin privilege because I don't face X, Y, and Z. Um, and I find that to be so powerful in terms of allyship. And then I see straight-sized white women taking up space in this movement without naming that, right? And just saying, like, we're all about body acceptance. And, like, even my brain goes to, like, well, of course you can be. Yeah. Because you live in a socially acceptable body. But if yeah. you were in a brown body or a black body or a disabled body or a fat body, be a it wouldn't of... be as easy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And can you explain for folks that don't know what straight-sized body Yeah, is? so straight-sized body is essentially any body that doesn't face marginalization due to size, right? So oftentimes we see folks in larger bodies or fat bodies being marginalized um, in so many different ways. Um, And so straight size essentially just means I don't experience oppression or significant barriers in my day-to-day life due to my size. Okay. 
Thanks. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I, and I think it's, it's the same in the gay community. Mm-hmm. So gay community is where most of my work happens as well, right? And the queer, fo- queer folks. And so it's like, there's a lot of like pretty privilege or fit privilege and thin body privilege or mm-hmm. white privilege in terms of like what seems more beautiful. Mm-hmm. That goes a little bit into more like racism and colorism and all these other things, but mm-hmm. uh, and fat phobia in the community as well. Yeah, and so it's like okay, there is a certain kind of privilege that you are experiencing in that sense, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it's even very much cemented into the community when you see certain groups of gays, where everyone in that group is white, fit, and pretty mm-hmm. by society standards. Yeah. And there's, you know, that's the group. There's yeah. no any kind of diversity or differences in body sizes or mm-hmm. anything. And it's like, yeah, you don't have to be friends with everyone. It's just mm-hmm. acknowledging how that kind of perpetuates uh, some of these things in the community. And yeah. it impacts other people that don't look like you. Yeah. And... And sometimes people are like, oh, if you don't look like me, then I don't talk to you. Mm-hmm. You're not worth my time. Yeah. And this is where privilege becomes very harmful as well. Yeah. In a, not only in a systemic way, but also in a personal, individual way of like, oh, you're not up to my level, so I don't talk to you at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think pretty privilege is something that we don't speak about enough. And it's so prevalent, right? Like pretty privilege is essentially the idea that we get treated better when we fit Western ideals of beauty. Right. And I think about even just like the small things. I remember like the days of like going out to the bars and if you fit the pretty privilege standard, you don't pay and you don't stand in line and, you know, you don't get treated poorly. But I think just because we have, we've talked about all these different types of privilege, I think it's, it might be good to like we mentioned some of the ones that we're probably going to talk about, but not necessarily, but that exist. Yeah. That we could think of and. Um, and how, and we can kind of go from there as well. So mm-hmm. it's like we've mentioned like, you know, cisgender privilege, yep. heterosexual privilege, male privilege, thin, pretty privilege, um, able-bodied privilege. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about that one. We'll talk more about that. Yeah. I mean, essentially for those who don't know, able-bodied privilege is, you know, I don't, if we don't live with any sort of disability. Visible or invisible. Yeah. It's like physical spaces, right? If there's no access for some people who might have physical limitations or if there's no accommodations and settings where people might have invisible disabilities whether those are you know learning disabilities or what have you it's like we are privileged to go into spaces yeah something as simple as going to the beach yeah going to the bathroom or the bathroom yeah like a basic human need yeah going to school (laughs) absolutely yeah absolutely Socioeconomic status and education privilege, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one for people. Mm-hmm. That people get very defensive. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, oh, my family struggled to get where, to where they are. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah. And? Fair enough. Mm-hmm. You struggled. They struggled. And now they have this financial privilege, for mm-hmm. example. Or yeah. educational privilege. Um, white privilege. Um, and then I think a big one... For, in both of our cultures and communities, colorism, mm-hmm. colorism and fair skin privilege, which is almost like racism, but I think colorism is a common, I think, you know, you and I were talking about earlier, colorism is like an intersection between almost like racism, pretty privilege, socioeconomic, and socioeconomic uh, status yeah. in certain ways. 
Yeah, and so for those of you who don't know, when we speak about colorism, we're kind of talking about the um, the privilege that folks in certain cultures have for being fairer skin, right? So I come from a South Asian background, and I know, Gabby, you can relate from your cultural background, but it's like those of us who have fairer skin or are seen as lighter colored lighter colored we're seen as either you know having higher socioeconomic status because maybe that means that we didn't have to work a laborious job out in the sun or we're seen as more attractive or you know just kind of we get preferential treatment right and i i believe that that's shifting like there with our generation just like with anything else there's a lot of conversations happening around these things but it is quite pervasive yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one example of pop culture that, that we can talk about in terms of my culture specifically mm. is like In the Heights, the new movie. Oh, I don't know or about this. You haven't seen In the Heights? No. Oh, girl. It's okay. a good one. Okay, so tell but, us. So it's in the Washington Heights, where it's the Dominican, Puerto Rican, uh, Latino community mm-hmm. in itself, the Caribbean and South America. So Latino community, mm-hmm. basically, where all of the main characters were fair skinned, mm. except for one. Even the from all the main characters in the cast, mm-hmm. I think there was only one who is of Dominican descent. Mm-hmm. And she's pretty lighter skinned mm-hmm. compared to the majority of Dominicans who mm-hmm. are a little bit more darker skinned. I think there was only one character, Benny, who was a black man. Mm-hmm. And he, was, he wasn't even Latino, I believe. He may have some Latino ancestry. I can't remember all the details. But it's like, and I remember when it came out, there was a lot of backlash in that. It was like all of the main characters were fair skinned. Whereas the backup dancers or mm-hmm. the backup people were a little bit more darker skinned. Yeah. What's the reason in that? Is mm-hmm. it because there is more uh, approval or more um, attraction to fair skinned mm-hmm. folks? Probably. Well, I think it goes again back to privilege, right? So when yeah. you when you say that, I think about more accessibility to jobs. More accessibility to jobs, but also more accessibility to representation, right? So it's like, I know that identity has privilege when there are representations of them readily accessible in the media, readily accessible in songs. So thinking about like heterosexual privilege, it's usually about like love songs are written for heterosexual relationships. You know, movies are written about heterosexual relationships. And, you know, some folks might say, yeah, there's more representation and, you know, we're seeing more South Asian people or more gay people or more larger bodied people. But I think where the privilege piece comes in is that when an identity has privilege, their character is not centered around that identity. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you look at like I think about, okay, so Kate from This Is Us. She lives in a fat body, but her entire character is centered around the fact that she's fat. And that becomes her identity. Um, there's that new show, Never Have I Ever, with a South Asian cast. And their whole thing is based around them being South Asian. Whereas when you look at like a white man, a cis white man in a movie or in a show, the movie or the show isn't about them being a cis white man. Yeah. It's about the storyline. Yeah. Right? And so it's just like that's what privilege looks like to me, where there's these mm-hmm. representations readily accessible that have nothing to do with the marginalized identity yeah that's fair yeah yeah that gets me fired up i can tell yeah and then and then now there's starting to be change around that so we've just been right now what's hot in the social media and the news is that a black woman got cast to play ariel 
The Little Mermaid. Yeah, and that has nothing to do with being black. She's just, it's Ariel, it's the same storyline. And people are livid. That is privilege. Yeah, and I was just reading uh, this morning, actually, or yesterday night, the, um, the director mm-hmm. gave an interview, or like a, not an interview, he was responding to a question, I think, um, where they're saying, I'm sorry, I'm just, Hallie, Hallie Bailey, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, um, and I want to get it right. That Holly, I mean, this might just be a publicity thing, but that Holly was the first one that mm-hmm. they actually auditioned. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that. her song, he was like, everybody was bawling and he, he was like, okay, this is it. We found mm-hmm. our Ariel. Yeah. But the amount of people that I've seen online would be like, she's not my Ariel. She's not my Ariel. Yeah. She would never was, bitch. <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And then again, it's like, it's a movie mm-hmm. where representation is needed in mm-hmm. other ways. You know, the amount of videos that I've seen of little black girls or little mm-hmm. brown girls of like, she looks like me. It's breathtaking. It's yeah. mind blowing and it's heart wrenching and beautiful. Yeah. And this is how we push against privilege is through representation, right? Because it's like we get programmed into us from such a young age when we're only seeing dominant representations in the media that we are less than. Yeah, that's where I was going to go as well. It's like, you know, if when we don't see ourselves represented in media mm-hmm. or in stories, we don't think that we're capable of doing those mm-hmm. those things, right? Yeah. And it's only like, oh, it's only the white superhero. Well, because the biggest way that we learn, the pr- most predominant way that we as humans learn is through role modeling. We need to see people like us doing things in order for us to believe that we have a sense of capability in yeah. doing those, right? So it's like, for me to see, I don't know, like a cis het man lifting 200 pounds, me as a brown woman may not necessarily internalize the belief that I'm capable of doing that. But if I was to see another woman or another brown woman doing that, and so that's how we learn. That's how we increase our sense of capability. If we don't have representation, yeah. that, that privilege structure stays in place because those of us with less privilege don't push for those opportunities or those bigger mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also just, we're very big on pop culture mm-hmm. referrals and representation. So um, Lizzo, mm-hmm. who just won her first Emmy. Hey, yeah, that was so at exciting. At her speech, she was like, beautiful yes when she said especially in the part where she says you know girl when i was a little when she was a little girl Mm. all she wanted was to see someone fat like her black like her beautiful like yes oh that is just think about and imagine what a little black girl who maybe is fat who Mm -hmm. maybe maybe She's not fat, but she's still a black girl. Mm-hmm. Seeing someone like Lizzo on the screen being a winner. So yeah. Her first Emmy. Or Cheryl Lee Ralph is her last name. Do you know who she is? No. So she's been this amazing actress for Oh, I forever. think I know who you're talking about and yeah, I didn't Cheryl know Yeah, Cheryl Lee Ralph. Yeah, she was one of the original dream girls. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. I was, saw that speech. She was um, the mom... And Sister Act 2. Yes, 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 so yes, those yes, are yes, the, yes, And this is her first Emmy win. Jesus. And this woman is a trailblazer. Yeah. And an amazing performer. Mm. And so it's like, and if we see 
And the reason we're bringing this up is like, oh, maybe better actresses or better people won the things, no, or like better, better work. But if you look at the winners in the past years, mm-hmm. you'll see the difference of nominations, mm-hmm. who was nominated and who won. Mm-hmm. And you see those things. Mm-hmm. You see those things. Yeah. I also like before we get to the end of the episode, so we've talked about representation and privilege on those larger scales. Yeah, I think I also want to bring into the conversation like everyday examples of how privilege works, right? Because I think it's so implicit Mm -hmm. and I want to bring into awareness like it's it's not this uncommon thing that doesn't happen all the time. And so, you know, I think about it's often implicit it's often unintentional and people don't even know what's happening. And I'm, I'm thinking about like a recent example of everyday privilege. And I was with one of my friends, Nikki, we've talked about this. So she knows, she knows that this conversation might come up, but uh, we went through the border together and Nikki Mm -hmm. is a white woman and I am a brown woman. And I have had horrendous experiences of being profiled at the border and so as a result I'm very diligent you know I go up to the border and I've got all my receipts ready and I've got them all calculated and ready to go and Nikki was driving and I just said like hey like do we need to add up the totals and she was like super chill like I'm like a ball of anxiety waiting to go up and she like went up and she barely had to tell them anything and we just rolled right through and I was like wow your privilege is showing Mm. like this is such a different experience but this is how every day like internalized oppression and internalized privilege work right where there's certain things that people with certain identities don't even have to think twice about yeah Oh, I got one for you. Like, yeah, all right. This was 2019, so before COVID. Okay. Because after COVID, things have changed a little mm-hmm. bit in terms of they're more kind of stern about certain things in the border and, and because of understanding of that in a cert, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But this was 2019. So J- Jesse, my husband, he's white. He's a mm-hmm. white man. Mm-hmm. We were traveling to DR for the first time together. Uh, DR, Dominican Republic. And on our way back... We had a layover in Chicago, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where we obviously had to do customs. Yeah. And he went. He gave. He's a U.S. citizen as well, so he gave his passport. And the guy was like, "Oh, good." I gave my passport. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here? Why are you coming into the states? Where are you going? And then Jesse started responding, and the guy looked at him, the border patrol, and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, "No, hold mm-hmm. on, Just stay quiet." And then he just started harassing me with other questions and being yeah. an asshole. And let me tell you, this was a person of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oppression isn't only from privileged identities to exactly. oppressed identities. And so, and then Jesse was mind blown mm-hmm. that that happened. And he was so mad. And I'm like, mm-hmm. welcome to life with a brown man. Yeah. Or a non-US citizen. And it's just these things that people don't think about when we have like there's things that i don't think about as an able-bodied person yeah absolutely right like in my day-to-day life that when i you know when i have a friend who might have a disability brings to my attention like hey that's actually not as easy for me or i actually have to think and i have to plan ahead about the space that i'm going into to make sure that it's safe for me Mm -hmm. right or you know even the privilege of being like a cisgender or heterosexual person like not having to think about whether it's safe to travel to certain countries due to my sexual identity, right? Like we all have these privileges where there's things outside of our periphery that we don't even think about. 
mm-hmm. because of our privilege. Absolutely. And so these are examples of like, you know, coming up against people in positions of authority, but even things like, okay, so male versus like female identities, right? We talk about male privilege. There are certain things that I have to think about when I'm walking alone at night as a woman. There are certain things that I have to think about when I'm living alone as a woman mm-hmm. that never cross people's minds. Like when I was first looking for my place, I remember my brother saying like, what about a townhouse? And my first thought was I can't live alone as a woman on a ground level, mm. like yeah. home. That's too, that feels too unsafe. Whereas like that didn't even cross my brother's mind. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think about like trans folks or non-binary folks who just even trying to figure out which bathroom they can use yeah. for their own safety. Yeah. Um, and, or someone come coming up to them, like, what are you man mm-hmm. or a woman? Mm-hmm. Or what do you have between your legs? It's like, that, fuck, that's not your problem. Mm-hmm. None of your business. Yeah. Kind of thing. So it's like, yeah. And then I think about like, some of my privilege, like, and I say this in my first classes. So in my, one of my first classes, uh, when I teach is like, I am a 32-year-old male cisgender with a medical degree and a master's degree. And I'm a graduate-level instructor. Yeah. A lot of power. A lot, a lot of, of privilege. Power, a lot of privilege. Yeah. And I say this, and I tell them, does that mean that I didn't work my ass off to get here? No. It means that I had a lot of less barriers than most people mm-hmm. to get here. Yeah. I was supported financially by my parents, which mm-hmm. I'm very grateful Thank you, mom and dad. <laughs> to actually be able to do all those things yeah. in a way that I can get to where I am right now. Yeah. And even just putting those cards on the table, I think, like, brings down a barrier between you and your students. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I also have students that are older than me. Yeah. As much as I can, and I try, I tell them, like, we're equal here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's equal respect all around. It's... Yeah, like, there are certain things where I have to be like, oh, this is what we're doing, blah, 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 because I'm mm-hmm. your instructor. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we're the same people here. Yeah. Or at least try to be as much as we yeah. can. And this is something that I, not in those words, but I do say some of my identities to my clients as well, because I want to, that, that power differential, that power space mm-hmm. um, or place of authority space, I want to make it the smallest as possible. Yeah. And when we identify ourselves and we bring those things into the table, especially because the work that you and I do mm-hmm. comes from this anti-oppressive place as well, yeah. right? Is yeah. the system comes into play. Yeah. All the systemic shit. Mm-hmm. So even when I'm working with a a queer well, two queer women in a relationship, I'm like, I have to bring that into a room. Like like you're talking to a cisgender gay man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm queer but I'm still a cis male. Mm-hmm. And so how, how is this impacting and interacting in our relationship as yeah. therapist clients? Yeah. How is it showing up for the two of you? What are you two limiting yourselves with mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And I think maybe that's like something to offer our listeners as well is like, if you are in therapy, like know that it's your right to acknowledge your therapist's privilege in the room. And you know, if your therapist isn't naming their privileges or it isn't acknowledging their privilege, how does that impact you, right? And how does that impact your therapeutic process? Because I think about, you know, when I was going through my eating disorder recovery 
and my body was changing and my therapist was an exceptionally thin white woman and it was never named and it was never talked about. And I think that really hindered my, my process, not because she was a thin white woman, but because we didn't talk about it. Yeah. Right. And I often like, I'll use that when I work with clients who are really struggling with fat phobia is I'll name, like I acknowledge that it's really easy for me to sit here and encourage you to fight back against this oppression and encourage you to really embrace yourself when I don't experience the same day-to-day oppression mm-hmm. that you experienced mm-hmm. due to my straight size privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's where, where things change so much mm-hmm. too for our clients and ourselves as therapists mm-hmm. being able to say those things and and it's not like we're not saying that people need to be like oh these are my privilege and whatever mm-hmm. blah, 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 but more so just acknowledging what your identities are yeah and that they have power and privilege in some spaces and that they don't in other spaces mm-hmm. like thinking about like i'm a straight size body man as well but i have thin privilege mm-hmm. but when you go into the gay community I'm not considered Mm -hmm. thin or fit Mm. kind of body. It's kind of like, what is the social location of your identity and the privileges are going to change? And that's what we were saying earlier, how it just shifts throughout the space where you're at. Yeah. When I'm in a room full of other South Asian folks, I have a level of privilege. Like I have fair skin privilege. I have all of these pieces. But then when I'm in a room full of white people, I'm the brown person. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So it is constantly shifting and changing. And I think being aware of like our identities, our privileges and the social location that they take place is so important for so many different reasons. It makes me think of male privilege. And one of the things, one of the conversations that happens a lot around male privilege, especially when men feel attacked and they Mm -hmm. get super defensive about it, you know, like male privilege doesn't mean that you have a shield around you. 24 mm-hmm. 7 or at all times in all spaces mm-hmm. it's not that because as we know highest rate of suicide is in men mm-hmm. highest uh, rate uh, numbers of incarcerated people is in men right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think when you talk about like it not being a shield again it's like echoing that having an identity that holds privilege doesn't mean that you don't have any struggles because of that identity. And I think that's oftentimes when people's privilege is pointed out, people take it to that place, right? Of you're invalidating all of my struggles. And so if I say to a man who's really struggling with depression and suicidality, if I acknowledge that they have privilege as a man, they're going to be like, what the fuck, right? Because it sounds like I'm saying that means that you don't have your own struggles. That means that everything is easy for you. Because I think when we hear privilege, maybe that's why, like circling back to the beginning, maybe that's why I have the problem with the advantages and the benefits. Mm. Because it's not necessarily that. It's the lack of barriers. In other ways. Right? And then I also, again, the social location thing. Lack of barriers. Like, yes, there's male privilege. And then when you look at mental health support. There's less there's actually less barriers for women to receive in terms of like social stigma and things. But again, we're talking about on that systemic social societal level. And -hmm. we're talking about, it doesn't mean that men always have more privilege than women or that what have you, because in spaces that's going to change, I think it's just more often than not. And in those larger like macro spaces, there are certain identities that tend to have the most amount of privilege. Yeah, absolutely. And I think thinking of that, we think about CEOs, mm-hmm. D 
deans at universities. Politicians. Politicians, yeah. And I think about, you know, that, um, that story that Rosa usually starts with at, in class, multicultural know. class, about a parent and his kid and their kid have an accident. There's an accident with a parent and a kid and they go to the OR and the surgeon says, oh, I can't operate. This is my kid or something like that. I can't remember all the details. Yeah. But, and most people assume it's a... Recently, I've heard that most people assume that it's a same-sex marriage of two mm-hmm. men instead of assuming that the, the surgeon is a woman. Mm-hmm. And then I think about like my days in medical school where majority of my classmates were women. Mm-hmm. And yeah. still, people think that doctors are more are kind of directed as mm-hmm. men and, and mm-hmm. nursing and, and all the other kind of supportive roles in the medical field yeah. are for women. Yeah. And that also even reminds me... And that's just part of the patriarchy bullshit too, but... When you think about that, like, I also think about how, like, when oftentimes when, like, insults towards men are about feminine things, right? Like, that's yes. an example of male privilege. Like, for a man to be called a pussy yeah. when he's, quote-unquote, weak or, you know... A pussy is stronger than the balls. I know. I say that all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'd rather be a pussy than balls because, like, we give birth to babies and you guys can't even handle, like... A flick. (laughs) Girl, a flick hurts. But, like, that's an example of male privilege, right? Where an insult is to be a woman. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good place for us to kind of wrap it up and, Mm -hmm. and, and... As we said at the beginning, this is such a huge topic that Mm -hmm. we could go for hours, but also we want to make sure that people actually want to listen to us. Yeah. And we did jump around a bit for a few different parts of privilege, because again, big topic with a lot of different facets. Yeah. So if there's any part that you agreed with, didn't agree with, that stuck out to you that you want fleshed out a bit more, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. We love feedback. We receive it with open arms. And... Even when people call out our privilege, mm-hmm. it, it is uncomfortable. It's our, one of our knee-jerk reactions might be get defensive, but it's part of the learning and part mm-hmm. of the experience. So if you do get defensive and your knee-jerk reaction is to get defensive, that's pretty common, pretty mm-hmm. normal. So it's just like for you to acknowledge and reflect on that, like, okay, mm-hmm. what's going on for me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. We would love to hear your thoughts, feedback, or episode ideas. You can find us on Instagram at therapy.afterhours or email us at therapyah.podcast at gmail.com. Just a reminder that although we are therapists, we are not your therapist. And this podcast is not a substitute for therapy or other mental health services. In the event that one of us is your therapist, we invite you to bring any responses to our episodes into your sessions. Bye Bye for for now. now.